first of all, I guess good introductions is my name is Sean, or you can call me Chaplain Crow, or either way, it'll work. I wanted to do a little bit of talk about our lesson, what we're going to do today. And first of all, I have to ask something. This is a weird question to ask anybody in Alaska. But do you happen to like ice cream? You do? You sure? I don't see very positive. Okay, a few smiles. Right? Yes, please. Well, I don't have any, but I wanted to tell you that you know, automatically sad faces. There we go. Start at the wrong foot. <laughs> but has anyone here, everybody likes ice cream. Does anyone ever had homemade ice cream? Homemade. Do you know what I mean by homemade? What is homemade ice cream? Oh, you have. Okay, so there, there's yeah, someone else raised their hand and said they have had, you, you've actually eaten homemade ice cream. No. I, I was going to say the third question is, has anyone made homemade ice cream? And everybody's like, no. How many audience have raised their hands if you've made homemade ice cream? Mm, okay. So let's, let's test uh, our adults out. How many in the audience, when they said they made home ice cream, did it electric? Ah, okay, so, okay. <laughs> okay, so we're talking homemade ice cream. And the reason why I'm talking about ice cream is I'm talking about something that's pure. We're talking about something that's good that we all enjoy, right? Does anyone know a friend that doesn't like ice cream? You do? Really? Your mom? Oh, we love her. <laughs> But so homemade ice cream is something special because when I grew up, I was your age, and I got some. Uh, it was not really muscles, but it was really something to turn that crank because you had this big barrel and then you had the metal one inside. Usually it was plastic on the outside and metal on the inside, and you had to take ice and you put ice around. That's what I mean, ice cream, right? You put the cream inside, you get all the stuff, sugar, vanilla, the whole thing, and then you you put the ice on the outside. You just just cranked it hard, and once you were done, you had ice cream. Now, when I say, well, you're done, I fast forward about, what, an hour or two? Yeah. So you're like sitting there crank and crank, and, and you think you're done, and here comes Dad. All right, here's another one. He dumps another ice cream. Oh, oh, I'm not done yet. When am I done? You just keep cranking and cranking and cranking. And it's like, oh, okay, the ice is almost down. Nope, here's another. Oh, gosh. You just keep cranking and cranking, and no, nope, you can't open it can't open it so you're hoping that it comes out pure and it's something that's delicious right because there's something about homemade ice cream when you have the crust because that ice is all around so you get crusty outside and a creamy inside mm. but what if it wasn't good and pure what if you forgot something like one time my mom forgot vanilla so I still worked hard. I got that cranked and cranked. I'm literally looking forward to it. My arms are sore. Everybody came to the table. And it, some, it, it, it tasted more than funny. <laughs> it tasted more than funny. It tasted more like, hmm, that's okay. Thank you. There's something about that. There's something about pure and goodness. Think about, like, say, our lives in Christ. When you accept Jesus into your heart, what happens to your sins? Anyone? They go away? Okay, so they're covered, right? How many sins does Jesus forgive? Anyone? 
all of them. That's right. He's very good. Two for two. And he, he, he forgives us of all our sins. So what do we do when we work for Jesus? Do we earn his forgiveness? No. We can't earn his forgiveness. He gave that freely. But our lives for him are like that ice cream. It needs to be good and wholesome. Kind of like this bottle of water. Right? And by our bottle of water, we're supposed to be pure for others to take a look at our lives. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But we still be pure because of what Jesus does for us. But sometimes if we do things that aren't pure, you know, then this is something that you might drink, right? You might drink something like this. It's nice and pure. You look at it. It's good. But if all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at something I shouldn't on my phone. I'm saying such a mean word to someone else, you know. Then all of a sudden something happens. You know, something happens to me and it doesn't look so pure anymore. Would you drink that? If that is a little muddy, would you drink it? No. It could be. could be. Does Jesus cover for that? No. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. You said Jesus pays for all our sins. He does. He does. But in our example for this, this is our life showing what a, what a Christian should be, a light to others. Because that's the color I got from my friend. <laughs> but imagine if that was muddy. I didn't want to put mud in there. That it wouldn't be something we would want to drink. So the idea is that when we go through, like this week, we go to, how, how many are in school? Anyone in school? No one in school? How many are in kindergarten? Any kindergartners? You're in kindergarten? Awesome. That's my favorite time with finger paints. I love it. You're not kindergarten? You're in first grade. They get to go to pencils. That's good. <laughs> yes. It does not make it taste good. <laughs> Actually, it's just coloring is all it is. But the example for us, well, well you could find out. That's the problem. It's, a, it's the example that if we as Christians show as our lives to be something that someone can trust. Do you like to, be, do you like to have friends you trust? Everybody likes to have friends that you trust? Do you like to trust your dad and mom, right? Should we be trusted if we go do things that we have friends that trust us? Okay, good, good. And this is what the Lord asks for us to have a clean heart. In other words, it says in Proverbs, create in me, this is a song too, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a, fast, a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but to deliver me. And he, he talks about how he wants us to create in us a clean heart. And I can't make the example here, but the Lord can create us clean all over again. Because he remember, how many sins did he pay for? All of them. But in so, we need to keep ourselves clean in what we do and how we're able to serve him and help people trust us so they get to know Jesus by the way that we do things. Does that make sense? Let's pray this team. Dear Lord, in this lesson for our children and, and for us, help us to, as we look together today about our testimony and our witness, keeping it pure before you. Help us as kids to see as what we do through the week, just because we might not be adults yet, because we listen to our parents. Help us to be trusted. Help us to do things that see you and what we do gives you glory before God in heaven. We ask this in your wonderful and precious name. All kids said, Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. So.
might drink it later. I don't know. I don't know whether to test that. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we go to Children's Church at this point? Okay. Thank you, guys. High five. Oh, that's fine. I wasn't actually planning for that. For that. <laughs> okay. Well, again, grace and peace to you from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by grace into this faith in which we now stand. And we all, this morning, it's wonderful weather, sunshine, no snow yet. We should rejoice in God. We should rejoice in the glory that He has given us through Jesus, His Son, who has borne the debt of sins. Like He said, He pays for them all. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And since now we have been justified through His death, how much more shall we be raised through His life? Well, I wanted to give a little discussion about what it means to have our true freedom and our testimony in Christ. We could put that title screen up there. And so we look at Timothy and the instructions that he gives, but I look at this as something about our testimony and how our testimony in Christ gives us true freedom. In fact, there are a lot of things we count to be, as Alaskans, to be freedom. I, I come from Fort Greeley. I'm the chaplain of the 49th Missile Defense Battalion there. Uh, my friend, and also it's kind of nice to have a friend and someone who works with you. Uh, you. Some of you might know Charles Medlin. He's our sergeant and our religious affairs NCO who comes from Fort Greeley as well. And we try to help them with their religious freedoms to be you know, free within the military and also to support the community in their religious freedoms as well. But the real true freedom we get is really through what Christ has given us. Freedom from sin. Freedom from things that can pollute our lives. Freedom from things that can tear us down. Freedom from concerns and despair. That can so easily wrap what we call in the military, wrap you around the axle. Just can't go anywhere. So we look at this freedom. I want you to think of, when I say true freedom, our testimony in Christ, I want you to respond verbally and say, our testimony. Let's try this out. So I'm going to say, true freedom, our testimony in Christ. I'll say the whole thing. I'll say, true freedom. And you'll say, okay, let's do it. that's easier. I'll say, true freedom only. And you'll say, our testimony in Christ. Here we go. True freedom. True freedom. Very good. Thank you. Next slide. Let's go blank. No, no, no. Just the blank slide, please. Um, but with that, I want to look at what that means in our testimony because maybe some would say, and you should always have a testimony. We should always have a testimony. How did you come to Christ? Was it for coming up here to Two Rivers, meeting Pastor Bob? What a wonderful family here. Maybe it was somewhere on a doorstep somewhere where you were having struggles and someone took care of you. Maybe it was like me where you grew up in Sunday school and, and you had lessons so imbued with you and your family and finally you came to decision. Maybe it was at later in life, like my grandfather, who just years before his deathbed finally said, I believe. And, and at the later part of 70 years of his life, and I love him because a lot of him is in me, is ownerism. 
But he changed. Yes. Old dogs can do new tricks. And he changed. And I'll never forget the change. And it was only a brief few years before he passed, but he's what the Lord. Praise the Lord. What is your testimony? And our testimony was what we want to think of when we think about what true freedom brings us from. What it gives us from. In fact, with that, I think about how freedom is freedom from things that hinder us down like such distractions in this world. When we think about distractions of what I have to do this week, that's one way to have to think of a distraction. Another way is a distraction that might be things that keep me from thinking or doing good things, such as, I mean, my cell phone it's in there, but if I look at my cell phone and I hold it up, it is something that can, you know, be good things. But oftentimes I see people scrolling and there's, there's a distraction, let's be honest. I mean, I think that, you know, today one might be filling on something like that in a phone or an app, but that didn't mean like a few hundred years ago they didn't do the same thing. They just probably had some papyrus, you know, sitting there, some scribe and scribbling on there and, are you busy? Yeah, I'm busy. And they're scribing. Or maybe even a few thousand years ago, it's probably just stone tablet. You're like, ching, ching, ching. Here, Gunther, come and take care of the house. I'm busy. Ching, ching. He's really not doing anything. He's just fooling around. There's so many ways to have distractions. No matter what year. But for us, what's the problem with distractions is it's not because of the phones. It's not because of television. It's not because I love to watch the Seahawks. It's not because uh, some of you might like the Packers and I'll pray for you. But uh, it's because of our allowance of these things. How do they crowd in our time before the Lord and for each other? And how it makes us look in our testimony and our witness. Is it good? Is it just coincide with us? Or is something that hinders others' view of Christ in my life? Christ in your life. Christ before me. Christ after me. What we allow in our hearts, what we allow in our minds, comes through those distractions. Comes through the time we dedicate towards those things. Comes through the way we treat our goods and our not just how we give of our treasure, but how we handle the treasure that is given us. Do we give 100% of our time to the Lord? Do we count the treasure as His? If you will with me, go ahead and turn in our scriptures. We're going to look to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 6 through 19. And as you're preparing that scripture, I just want to remind you that as distractions can come to us, good stewards always know they keep to their task. No matter what distractions come by. Soldiers always pay attention to their duty. Farmers always pay charge to their field, to their families. Christians always pay attention to their call to love God and one another. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says that every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it for imperishable. So let's read scripture of 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, and the exhortation that Paul is giving to Timothy. If you would stand for the reading, for those who can stand, for the reading of God's word. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, which are to be made, which be made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. May God bless the reading of his word and the meditation of our hearts. Please be seated. Timothy's being instructed in the context of this word to the church body. He's being instructed not just by his testimony and witness, but also to how to equip the church that he's ministering to and also to beware of false teachers at that time. And he's being he's already received such warning to, about puffed up teaching and of talk. So the entrance of this subject takes over from that warning. And it talks about contentment. And it comes from God that we should remain true, remain, as we showed earlier, to remain unstained, if we can, in our testimony to Christ. Not as a mode of perfection that we have earned anything, but that we can be whole as the bride of Christ, preparing ourselves for the bride, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. So if we look at this, let's take a deeper look at the verses. Let's go back to verse 6. And when we're looking at verse 6, it first says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, but we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food or clothing, with these we will be content. So with that, it's a good exposition on what Paul spoke in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. You might recognize that because everybody quotes Philippians 4, 13, but not always 10 through 13. And that's the context. Has anyone heard that 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? It means contentment, not power. Contentment. So if you look at verse 10, it says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11 says that I've been speaking of being in need because I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and good. And then the verse we all know, for I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not about this. It's about just contentment. And Paul speaks of this when he speaks of that godliness with contentment is great gain. Because we're not going to bring anything to the world and we're going to leave it just as naked as we started. Right? So, another part when it says about godliness it says godliness it does not say about godliness that we become like god in any sense the context is that we are to be like him when we grow more like him like god through the way we act but also we act as such because of the change within behold the old has passed away the new has come that we expect and receive his Holy Spirit into us, he creates a new life in us, that his shed blood is covered over me and covered over you, that his blood covers us from all those sins, and then we make new choices. We start to make decisions based on what he wants and not what I want. That his covering of his blood shed makes me righteous. Makes us righteous. And covers us and gives us eternal life. Then and only then we can know what contentment is and what he says about godliness. Godliness and contentment. And contentment you might even understand from the Job from that uh, the phrase that that uh, person Job said in Scripture, saying that he giveth and he taketh away. It's okay. He giveth and he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, continue on in verse 9, and it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith, pierced themselves with many pangs. Look at the note there in verse 9. It's not whether someone has riches. It is not the possession. It is the desire. It's not possession and coming into an inheritance or working or having the skills to build wealth and give to the kingdom, but the desire for those things and the desire overcoming them instead of desire for God. Because true freedom is our testimony in Christ. True freedom. Our testimony in Christ this is the only way we can have that freedom. Freedom from sin. Oh, I almost think about that one. Some glorious freedom, wonderful freedom. 
No more in chains of sin I repine. Jesus, the glorious emancipator, now and forever, Jesus is mine. Got goosebumps there for just a second. Song's going through my head. I don't know if I can talk. There is something about the desire to be rich and the desire to be free. The desire to be rich doesn't give us what we need, but is that desire that Paul talks about, which is an extension from earlier in his discussion in chapter 6 and 5, that people fall into traps with. We fall into traps. I mean, just because someone gets a ton of PFD and someone doesn't, doesn't mean that they're no good. It doesn't mean that ones that didn't get enough PFD didn't, or someone that doesn't get any. Because <laughs> I'm in the military and, you know, on military housing and whatever you else want to call it, I can't. But I shouldn't, like, oh, you know, come and play the haves and have nots. Praise the Lord to those who can. And praise the Lord for those of us who don't. And we do what we do. But it's the desire we have to watch out for. Galatians 6, 5, 1 through 5 talks about how to help each other, but being careful not to be tempted. And sin, but to prove ourselves to our works. Galatians 6, 1 through 5 is a great precursor to how we help each other, but not to think of ourselves better than one another. To be careful about that. To keep ourselves free and to prove ourselves by our own work. To work out our salvation with fear and trembling. To be faithful to the one who's given all for us. And therefore, we should give and lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Proverbs 1.19 says, Such are the ways of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. It just takes away the life of its possessors. Romans 8.5-6, my favorite book, as Pastor Bob knows. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. This is what we wish to have. If you look at verse 11 in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, it says, But for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, which are about to make the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So flee, like in 1 Timothy 2.22 adds to this, it says, So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Another scripture from Romans fourteen nineteen says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbringing. I like that. To grow with each other. This is a spiritual fight. This is a spiritual fight. Many of you might remember Ephesians six ten. It talks about the armor of the God and how to fight the spiritual fight. I won't go into that, but because I want to detract from the discussion. But it is something to think about how our witness is for this and how we are charged to be that witness. Verse 13, 
It continues on in 1 Timothy 6, verse 13 says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives us life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you will, put the slide there for about the word witness. The word for, the word for witness in... Oh, the, the slide that says witness, the last, thank you. So the word for witness in Aramaic, uh, I can't pronounce it very well, but it sounds like matris, which is, to me, sounds like martyr. Doesn't mean that everybody's witness is going to be a martyr, but it, it, that's where the root of the word comes from. And the word for testimony is matreo, which also means to bear witness. So the idea about this is that we're to witness and bear witness that is our testimony and the root of the word is almost given to those who have laid down their life for their testimony this is that true freedom we talk about our testimony in christ to which the hope that we have i look at what's happening today in the news and and everybody thinks about whether it's politics or is there something with the supply chain or, or some strike that's going to affect the railroads? Or There's so many ifs I can go over, news that can go back and forth, or some catastrophe here or there, whether the cost of living is going to go up where I can't afford it. All sorts of things can just make a spin around that axle. Instead of putting our hope within Him, preparing what we can do. But my hope isn't what I can prepare in. It's not whether I'm young enough and I can prepare enough or I'm too old and I know better what I can do or what I can't do, but it's on the abilities that I can take faith and trust in what the Lord has prepared for me that He can give or He can take it away. And blessed be the name of the Lord because I have freedom to know where I go from this place. That He's prepared a place for me. That in doing so, I have true freedom that I don't have to worry about what happens tomorrow what happens at the end of this year or the next year to come? I don't really mind. I mean, I do. But it's not going to really affect me eternally who gets voted in this week, this November. It's not going to be eternally affecting me what happens with the cost of living next year. Jesus is still Lord. He still loves me. He loves you. And what we really have to prepare for while we still have time, while you and me are breathing and sharing and loving each other, is to share it with someone else before it's too late. Why wait? If I had a cure for cancer, I don't think people would be very happy if I held it in. We need to share His love. We need to share His goodness. At verse 15, chapter 6, verses 15 of 1 Timothy, it says... which he will display at the proper time, he who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So, that's not like social justice of today that likes to say the haves and have not tax the rich together and the, and the poor. Well, hopefully we get along. 
And the middle class is nowhere to be found, I guess, apparently. But with that, the Lord says, don't tell them to not be rich, but to not set their sights on the riches, but to set their sights on God, who gives us everything to give away, everything to destroy. No, provides us with everything to enjoy. That's a very interesting term he put there. It says it's okay to enjoy the gifts God gives. How about that? It's okay to enjoy the talents and the wonderful worship team. It's okay to enjoy the talents of the technical team and, and those who provide. It's okay to enjoy the talents for those who take care of the property. It's okay to enjoy the talents for those who come and serve and give. For those who have the wealth and the means to help support the ministry. It's okay to enjoy that and to share in the hopes that what we do and say, that people see our works and give glory to God in heaven. Because him it is due. Romans 10, 11, 20 through 22 tells us to be careful that we do not let these things destruct us. In other words, riches can come to us, but also we have to be careful about them. That's why Paul starts this discussion about warning about those who trust in riches. And in the end, he talks about to enjoy them, but only in looking to God to give him glory. Because Romans eleven twenty through 22 says, It is true that some have been broken off because of their unbelief, but you can stand fast through faith. Just don't become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare natural branches, he's talking about Israel here, but neither will he spare you. For note that the kindness and the severity of God, severity of those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Verse 18 of 1 Timothy 6 says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. So they may take hold of that, which is truly life. Go ahead and go to blank screen. Thank you. My hope is that as we continue to get ready for uh, Pastor Bob and we for communion is that what are we going to do this week to think about our testimony, our witness, matereos, to give to someone else? Because in a small community, I come from many small communities before I pastored in a little place, a town called Harper, where uh, there were five times as many cattle as there were people. And uh, one of my ranchers would take me out and say, Pastor Sean, come out here. And he'd, he'd take me out in his uh, little, little uh, man, that Polaris was awesome. He scared the crap out of me. That takes some doing. You know, I love skydiving. I love doing all these other things. But he scared me because he ran at some rocks with that thing. I thought we were going to tumble and just glide over the path. Man, what a memory. But it was something else. He takes me up in his pasture and after checking the lines and doing the irrigation and, and, and doing some things for the feed. And we went up to his, man, it was a long ride. And then all of a sudden there's a little lake at the top and we're fishing. He's like, Pastor, I just want you to know, this is, this is, this is where I want to worship. You worship church. I said, that sounds good. That's nice. It's good to be out here in the creation. And I, I worship him too, but his people are what we come to, you know, and we worship together. We can all come together and worship up on the past, past side with you too, but 
Uh, he obviously is, you know, using a little bit of a dodge, and, and, I, and I agree with him that I love to worship out in the creation too. But creation leads me to the creator, and the creator wants me to worship with his fellow believers. So there's times we can worship out there too, and when it gets cold, you know, and it's good to come into church and to bless him, to learn about him. It's just it's not about praising him. We have to keep learning. We have to keep dividing the word of truth through the Holy Spirit and then converse with each other and talk about it. That's our testimony. This is part of building our witness. So this week, who can you show by either what you say, by what you do, by who you meet? Listen, I'm an introvert. Do you know what that is? You're like, you? I am. I'm an introvert. I'll, well, I told you I love my grandpa. Yeah, I'm like him. I used to be, you know, people in groups were dumb, you know. And we would have this honorism to people. And, you know, the Lord's kind of built up the love of people in my heart. I used to hide behind the music. That's why I love playing my trombone and piano. I just hide behind there and then keep something between me and people, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but he's changed me, you know, grown. And I, I come a little bit more out and talk about it. My wife's better at it than me, but I've learned through her. And we do these things, you know. She's fun. But in doing so, I've learned that I need to bring out connection to people and, and bring my testimony and my witness. Not to compare my witness, that means I'm not as good as, you know, she is, which I'm not. I'm not good as, you know, these other guys are, these other chaplains, these other people. I'm not. But the Lord didn't give me their testimony, did He? I have mine. He didn't love me because of others. He loves me because he loved me alone first, foremost. He knew us all on the cross. He knew us all when he said to testify, it is finished. Who are we going to be able to be a witness to this week by what we say, by what we do, by how we reach out? Maybe you'll have a chance to have what your testimony is. My encouragement to you is if I haven't thought about a testimony. Well, it's a good time to maybe talk about it. Talk with Pastor Bob. Talk with me. Talk with someone. What is your testimony? Is the well, Because my testimony is from the faith that one has come to me and loved me when I am the loveless. Now, some of you might be my, me and grew up in the church and it started that way, but I still had crisis points of faith. Moments I remember when I was sanctified at age 13 at the bonfire at Fort Stevenson, south of Astoria, Oregon, right on the beachside with a bunch of teens. And I was so elated by the Spirit, I didn't care that I had my $50 camera destroyed or something like that. I can't remember if someone stomped on it or something. I was like, I don't care, it's just a thing. Then the week later, I was like, I was very sad when I had to tell mom my camera's broken. <sighs> I'll never forget it. It's a beautiful day. I'll never forget that spot. And that's part of my testimony. What can we do this week to think about what we do, what we say, who we reach out to, to be a witness?
for our testimony because true freedom is our testimony in Christ. Best of all.